Welcome to Episode Party, the podcast where we talk about our favourite podcasts. I'm Jack Tudor. I'm Freddie Harrison. And our guests today are Oliver Wang and Morgan Rhodes from the fabulous Heat Rocks podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Our pleasure. Thank you for having us. So we're going to start our list of recommendations today with Freddie Harrison's recommendation. Freddie, would you like to tell us about your podcast, please? I'd love to. Um, So my recommendation is a relatively new podcast in general, but also um, by extension, a relatively new podcast to me. And that's Function with Anil Dash. So I really, really like Anil's writing about tech and culture and how those two things intersect. Um, I think he has some really interesting views and um, I've, I've been a fan of his work so I was really excited when I saw that he was doing a doing a podcast and um, yeah, I've, I've been listening for a little while now. There, there were a few episodes that I think I could have picked for everyone to listen to but I thought we could go uh, super meta for uh, this one and uh, I picked the one about the wild world of podcast apps, ads and yeah, I just, I really, really enjoyed the, the format of it. I enjoyed that we started off with quite a uh, technical explanation of how they work, which I think is super interesting and, and, and probably quite accessible for people who aren't in the podcasting world. I, I'm aware that we're talking about a podcast on a podcast about podcasts right now. So uh, it's <laughs> kind of, I guess, I guess for us, we kind of know how these things work but for people who don't i think it's a pretty good primer actually and um uh yeah francesco baschieri from voxnest does a really good job of explaining some of the kind of the technology behind podcast apps and ads and how they've evolved and kind of maybe what the future looks like um but then I really like the second half of this, perhaps even more so, um, which is where Anil talks to Jaden XD, um, who are podcast hosts, about how advertising has has enabled what they do and how it's changed things for them and what that experience was like of monetizing their podcast and how that evolved over time. Um, and I think it's just a, a really nicely put together podcast. And not every episode is, is like this, but they tend to speak to a few people. And um, it, it just tends to be quite a nice introduction to a topic and how that kind of technology uh, influences culture or enables culture in some cases. And I, I think it's really nicely done. I wouldn't say that it's like the, what I like about it and is that it's not the most kind of like tech heavy podcast. It's not too nerdy, I guess. It's 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 pretty accessible. And I think that's what makes it so appealing to me as well. I, I mean, I'm a technical person, but I, I appreciate when people can talk about these things and language and ways that everyone can understand. So um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, Jack, what did you think? Yeah, I thought this was interesting. I mean, I think you're definitely more technical than I am. And so when the first interview kicked off and they started talking about dynamic ad insertion, and obviously given that we are an entirely amateur podcast and have no experience with podcast ads whatsoever, <laughs> um, it was it was interesting. And I, I did find the, the, the premise that actually most ads are now dynamically inserted. So 
you have uh, the moment that you download whatever podcast you're listening to. That's the moment that the ads are put in, uh, and that's all dynamically done. That was very mm. interesting. But they spent uh, quite a lot of time talking about that technical side of it, and I think, well, maybe you thought that was like a layman's description, Freddie. I think I'm probably the the level below that particular layman uh, in the sense <laughs> that I did get a little bit uh, lost at some points. But what, what I did think is... It had an interesting kind of tonal shift as soon as they went to the second interview. And personally, I found that quite discordant. It felt almost like a, a different podcast um, where they went to speak to Jaden XD uh, about their experiences in monetizing their podcast. And then it almost, instead of being about ads, was more about generally just how do you monetize your podcast? I mean, obviously, ads became a huge part of that discussion. But it was also about the other things that they do in order to bring in other skills that they have, uh, such as, is it Jade who says that she's also owns catering companies and kind of fuses that with podcasts as well, with the kind of food porn aspect of the, the podcast. I, I thought that interview was really wonderful and actually was just amazing to hear about people who will do incredibly inventive things to monetize their podcast without also you know selling out or or kind of compromising their values or or their voice as it comes through on the podcast i mean that was so uh, inspiring to think about and i'm sure it's a quandary that everyone reaches when they reach a certain level of success Uh, i'll have to take their word for it but it was a really nice interview (laughs) and i think um yeah i I, like i say i I it felt like that the transition from the first half to the second half um while i liked anil as a host i think he was great and he clearly had a good rapport with both uh people uh, sorry, both sets of guests, and especially I think uh, with uh, Jaden XD, and they seem to be having a great time in the studio. Um, yeah, it was. It, it, basically, I, I just thought it was going to be more more seamless than it was. But glad I listened. Um, I felt like also scratched the surface as to why basically it's Squarespace and you know mattress companies and food right. companies, and uh, you know kind of got a little bit of an idea as to 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 why they seem to be the dominant people, but. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, Oliver, what do you reckon? So first of all, I mean, we here at Heat Rocks are big fans of Anil. He was one of our first guests when we launched the show um, in 2017. Um, and so it's, it was cool to see him creating a new podcast uh, for himself. Obviously, you know, he has been a major figure in the tech world it, 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 and giving it a kind of a social justice, social consciousness that I think is very dearly needed. And in general, hmm. partly both as a journalist and as an academic, I like a good explainer anything. So, you know, if, if it's a, a thing, a phenomenon that we all recognize, and in this case, it's the fact that, yeah, it's the same four companies that seem to be on every major podcast. Like, how many mattresses does Casper really need to sell to, to people? Um, <laughs> so, so I, you know, I, I do think that, that it, it does a good job of simply addressing this question that we all, for those of us who, who listen to podcasts across the spectrum, that we all have this curiosity about in regards to, yeah, what, what, what explains the particular brands that are advertising there and really how you know how successful those things are are and i think anyone who has followed just podcasting as a medium the monetization question and i mean frankly i mean this is something that we and i'm sure the two of you have to think about which is how do we pay for this show that we do and the you know the fact that this episode was titled titled the uh, wild west i th- is certainly a a nod to the fact that there are times in which the podcast industry does resemble 
the kind of titular Wild West in which there's not a lot of set rules or norms that have been established. And and obviously, it's different now than it was, let's say, five, six years ago, but it still feels uncertain as to the ways in which we know this is we know this medium is popular. We know people are listening, but how does one monetize that and is advertising the ideal way to go? And mm. you know, we're we're part of the Max Fund Network here. And while some of the shows on the Maximum Fund Network are ad funded, this is primarily a donor driven network, and that's just a different kind of monetary model. Sorry, I'm going a little bit far afield, but these are kind of some of the thoughts that the episode generated. No, please do. Was just around yeah, just around the general ways in which which just because you have something that's popular doesn't mean that you can easily monetize it. And I think if you look at examples of, let's say, with streaming music, with Spotify, or with YouTube and video, again, these things are enormously popular. But anytime numbers get leaked, which tends to be infrequent because these companies tend to be very protective of that information, you're like, man, like your, your, you know, your video got a billion clicks or something or views and you made like what two bucks off of it I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit but it does kind of feel like that and so simply explaining the ad structure of podcasting again it, it answers a question i think a lot of people have but I, I think it is also indicative of the fact that we still don't really know what this model is supposed to look like um, unlike let's say the many years in which advertising was developed on radio and television Everything in the internet age, there is still this uncertainty as, is this effective? Is this going to produce return on investment? Um, and I don't know if the episode necessarily, as as one of you was indicating just a moment ago, I don't know if it goes the full length to be able to answer that. But I do think that Anil is picking a topic that is probably on the mind, certainly of all podcast creators, and I'm sure more than a few listeners, because, yeah, they're trying to figure out how is this stuff sustainable? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that what really, it really hits home the kind of nascent nature of this advertising model. I think when Jaden XD talk about the fact that a, a Fox advert got dynamically inserted into their show, um, which, <laughs> oh my word, uh, it just shows like these blunders are still rife because I, I, I guess while they, they've they kind of got a model sussed for how this can work and how adverts can be more responsive to, to audiences, it's clearly still got a little bit of calibration before. <laughs> that starts to deliver results that actually align with the audiences of these podcasts. So, um, no, I mean, it's really interesting, I think, uh, Oliver, you know, to get your perspective, because it sounds like that you do have a bit more direct exposure with, uh, you know, this this kind of side of the podcasting industry. Well, I was also going to say that I've often joked that the algorithm doesn't love you. And as much as we just assume that some kind of artificial intelligence or very, you know, a, a, a program formula is supposed to make smart determinations, there is an abundance of, of evidence in front of us that that is not always the case. And I don't, I, I, I have not, we, you know, we certainly haven't experienced this with, with our podcast because we don't have advertising for Heat Rocks, at least not yet. But I'm always struck at the kind of dynamically inserted ads I get when I'm watching YouTube videos because I'll occasionally get something for the NRA and anyone who knows my, my personal <laughs> politics knows that is as far away from anything I would normally support as, as possible. <laughs> right. But it's because I clicked on maybe a video f- uh, you know, from a, a, a scene from John Wick or something and because it has guns <laughs> in it, like they're going to start serving me up NRA uh, ads. And so I, I have, you know, this makes me wonder if, yeah, if, if we're moving in that direction with podcasts, 
that at some point, because right now it seems to be dominated by the same brands as we've been talking about, but as more potential brands and advertisers enter into that space, are we going to see these um, similar kinds of incongruous meetings of of brands and, and products that we have zero interest in as listeners, but somehow the algorithm thinks, oh, you might be, you might, you might want to support this financially. And I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I don't need to donate to the NRA. <laughs> Yeah, especially when you've got hosts reading these ads as well. Uh, it takes it into a very strange place. Where and I think, I think Morgan and I would kill it. on. You give us any ad and we will do a magnificent job. That's so right. advertisers That's right. listening out there, come holler at us. Right, please, please do. Because whenever I'm watching a YouTube series and I don't know what they know about me or what they're trying to say about my lifestyle, but the ads that come up are always for toilet tissue. That's been very disturbing. Like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Particularly Charmin. I don't want to shout out that brand, but I am very curious as to why they always jump into my feed every time I'm looking for something. So <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason to this al- to these algorithms, like uh, Oliver's saying. But I just don't know why that why that brand. I don't buy Charmin, and uh, maybe they know I'm a little bit cheap when it comes to that kind of thing. And this is a a way to encourage a more conspicuous consumption. But that's what pops up for me. But I think you and I could do a very good job of selling like the two ply quality of Charmin. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> If given the opportunity. Listen, shout out to Charmin if you're listening. We need uh, we need some ad help, so we'll, we'll do it for you. <laughs> I really hope something good comes of this. Yeah. I really do. I, I really hope for both of you. That, be that, be that, careful that what you ask for, I think. <laughs> exactly. I think it's, we should remember here. Oh, fantastic. Heat Rocks, brought to you by three-ply <laughs> tissue paper. <laughs> Uh, Morgan, did you have any thoughts on uh, the um, part of the episode that you listened to, uh, particularly in relation to, I guess, your exposure to advertising and monetization of podcasts uh, within your role on, on Maximum Fun? Well, as Oliver said, I mean, we don't have ads here, but I have a number of people that, that are on podcasts who... Um, you know, their numbers have increased by this ad space and what they're getting into. I've been curious to know what the rhyme or reason is, why certain ads are drawn to certain podcasts and what the monetization of that will look like um, for us. Quite frankly, I am curious. Um, do you have a say so in which things you promote and which things choose you? And just right. some of the some of the things that I've noticed in podcasts, like I can't speak to all podcasts, but we are in a, in a minority um, of podcasts that don't have ad sponsorship. In fact, the podcast that I brought in to talk about, I was surprised that they were promoted um, by someone. But that needs to—that seems to be the hot ticket, and uh, I do hope that uh, that something happens for us where we we can get in that space where it benefits us. Well, fingers crossed. Thank you. So we'll go to our next recommendation now, and um, Morgan, why don't we go to to yours? Uh, that seems like a, a good place to go. So, if you'd like to tell us about your your recommendation and uh, yeah, why you like it. Yes, please. I chose Thirst Aid Kit, which is a podcast produced by BuzzFeed. Um, It's a take on the word thirsty, which is a popular slang now for someone being exceptionally lustful, uh, whether physically, uh, emotionally, or sometimes fiscally. But they've tried to put a good spin on the word (laughs) thirsty. It's hosted by Bim Adewunmi and Nicole Perkins, who met on Twitter and noticed they had similar uh, observations about their particular objects of lust, uh, decided to do a podcast together. They've been on since 2017. And uh, it was love at first listen uh, for me. 
It really, really was. There are two uh, African-American writers. Uh, Bim is a senior culture writer for BuzzFeed. Uh, she's a British, but based in uh, New York City. She's written for The Guardian, been featured on NPR, etc. And Nicole Perkins is a poet. She's from Tennessee, also living in New York, and uh, was a Jack Jones Literary Fellow and a BuzzFeed Emerging Writers Fellow. Their chemistry together is incredible and they mm. had me at the first laugh i fell in love uh, with the laughter it just felt like just fun and a fun spin on celebrity culture and celebrity lust um the episode i picked is called thirst and learn with cheers and queers so it was like double teaming on a podcast with another uh, group of podcast hosts uh the podcast is called cheers and queers and it's a sort of a boozy podcast about uh observations in the lgbtqia community so this one was a fun one they focused on four objects of desire and uh and i just love how the podcast was structured they'd start out with laughter so it felt like me when i was in uh, the girl scouts except i wasn't the only black one uh, th- this was for african-american women and tackling something um t- tackling sexuality and the freedom to talk about it yeah i mean freddie what did you make of thirst aid kit so when when I when I first had a look at the um, the description for the for the show, I, I was I was kind of apprehensive because I I thought this is not going to appeal to me at all. And but uh, one of the lovely things about doing this show with with you, Jack, is that I get to. I have to listen to things and sometimes that's a really good thing because it it forces me to not judge a book by its cover and not judge podcasts by their descriptions and I was uh I was on a long car journey when I listened to it and um yeah I can really really see why you must love it Morgan I think it's it's brilliant I think like you say the the chemistry between Bim and Nicole is is fantastic and I think that put me at ease because as a subject I just like I say I didn't think it would have any appeal to me at all I think you know certainly when Jack and I talk about social media it's usually about not being on it because Jack isn't on it and I'm slowly deleting my social media <laughs> accounts um so uh, the idea of of uh lusting after someone and and finding kind of objects of desire and all that kind of stuff definitely doesn't come up in our conversations but i really really found myself uh kind of easing into it and and, and laughing along and um learning a lot as well like i found it a real opener in terms of uh some of the things that that they admired in these people um you know there's obviously the physical side of it but there's also sure. stuff about their politics and their ethics and yeah. uh, their activism and and that's stuff that I don't know a lot about and I'm trying to expand my horizons and actually I, the last thing I expected was to kind of learn so much from a podcast like this but I'm really glad I did and um, I'm really glad I did it in such a fun and kind of jovial way like it, it, it didn't feel like a, a lesson but I feel like I learned a lot by the by the end of it but at the same time just really really enjoyed myself so um it, it's it's a weird one i didn't expect to like it at all but really really loved it so thank you very much for recommending it i'm glad you enjoyed it and a, a lot of the commentary about uh, the podcast has been you know how different it feels um for for women mm. to objectify uh celebrities in a sexual way mm-hmm. but that it doesn't right. it doesn't feel creepy and it doesn't feel perverse also that the conversation is really centered around pop culture around celebrity culture um around uh, politics sexual politics and media they tread very lightly in this episode because they were dealing with two 
trans actors. Mm -hmm. And so they talked about a lot of things about were they putting themselves in a bad light or did it come across bad that they were? Were they objectifying trans actors because they were trans? But then they also talked about Nefessa Williams, who's playing the first black lesbian superhero Mm -hmm. on Black Black Lightning and what it means not just to to lust after this woman, but for a woman to play this position after so many years. And uh, when black female sexuality um, has been cast in a, in, a, in, in a horrible light over the years and just black women being the object uh, of sexual desire in not a good way, it felt very liberating to listen to these very, uh, very ast- politically astute and very eloquent women um, discuss the objects of their desire, not in a way that made me feel uh, feel really creepy. And uh, Trevante Rhodes was one of the people that they featured, but they talked about how this crush was sort of developed uh, on him in the context of Moonlight and the fact mm-hmm. that, that he played a gay yeah. character. So I thought it was uh, very fair across the board. I, I love how it sounds. It's very crisp. That's shout out to a Tasty Keisha, Keisha Dutest, who's one of their producers. And they just have an amazing chem- chemistry. They were featured in Entertainment Weekly's one of the best um, podcasts of the year. So uh, I hope they will be back for another season, but it was very, very refreshing and it, it made me giggle and, and it wasn't a nervous giggle. It was actually, actually <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't clutching my pearls in the house like, wow. Um, it, was, it was the podcast that I didn't know that I needed until I listened to it. Right. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think this is uh, something you picked up on, Morgan, is the fact that I think there's a version of this kind of discussion uh, and this subject matter, which is more uncomfortable, yeah. which is maybe an objectification that that doesn't also maybe celebrate complexity and um, I, I suppose the the aspects of people beyond physicality as well. And what I really loved about this podcast is it was seemed to be a celebration of people and uh, yeah. just what makes people attractive. But also as well, I, I think there was a lot of reflection on like desire itself as something which sometimes is just uh, an unbounded thing sometimes has a rationale sometimes you can look at uh you know what you uh, lust after and say well i admire this person's politics or you know the the way they look there is wow but also there's a part of it as well which is kind of beyond comprehension and i love the parts of this discussion where they're kind of talking about the stranger aspects of uh, i think there's one and i can't remember who they're talking about where she looks at a picture and she's like do i want to be that or eat that i don't know like and that's a great thing because it's just like there are some puzzling aspects of um you know what compels us in i guess a primal way and the the conversation was so open i thought for four voices in one room and four like big personalities and as you say like super eloquent people the conversation didn't feel crowded like it had a really nice momentum where everyone was kind of building on what each other was saying instead of cutting each other off which can sometimes happen when you get this many voices in the room i i mean i loved it i i had a really great time with this podcast and actually went on to listen to cheers and queers as well afterwards because uh, i really enjoyed hearing them as as well interact with the host of uh, host of thirst aid kits so i have to say i mean some of the references went over my head and i guess that says probably due to like uh the person that i am and the kind of culture that i'm within so i had to look up taco meat um i did that on my phone <laughs> just in case it <laughs> led me anywhere <laughs> but um it went, like wonderful honestly and uh so thank you very much for, for sharing this one and um yeah, I look forward to digging more into Cheers and Queers as well, because they seem like a couple of hosts as well who've got an, an awesome chemistry as well. Sure, and, I, and I, I'm glad you guys liked it, and I just wanted to add one of the things that's so cool that they do is at the end of each podcast, they have drabbles, right. and they encourage fans to write short 
pieces, a hundred words or less, about the object of their particular desire, and they read them. And I think that's a very cool way to engage listeners. They have a very cool Tumblr page, and it's just uh, it's a very, very free space, and uh, even when they giggle at their own objects of desire, and it's been across across the board, every culture, every race, um, LGBTQIA, it's just, it's just really refreshing. So I'm glad you guys like that one. And Oliver, what did you make of it? Well, I don't want to re- repeat too much of what's been said, but I just want to acknowledge uh, on the front end here, what a great name, <laughs> you know, and this is one thing. And again, I, I apologize. I keep going on these kind of tangents, but that when you're, if you have to create, let's say a publication, like a magazine, there has to be a lot of strategy around where, what kind of name are you going to give it? Is it going to attract or turn, you know, turn away advertisers, the whole nine. But I think because of, and this goes back to the, the point I was making earlier around the, the idea of podcasting being this, this bit of a wild west with, without set norms is that there, I think people are encouraged much more to develop really clever podcast names as a way of standing out amongst the crowd. Um, and that can be hard to do when there's, you know, what, hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there. So anytime I come across one that has an, a really clever name, yeah. like that's just an extra gold star point because <laughs> like, good for you for coming up with that. Yeah. Like that's a, it's a, that's a really, really great name. Um, I mean, like all of you, I, I, I really enjoyed what I list, what, what I heard. And I think I, my skepticism a little bit going in is simply because in general, I'm a little bit ambivalent about podcasts that tend to center around um, people in a room talking. It's in, in, Believe me, there's certainly a lot of podcasts I listen to, which are people in the room talking. Our podcast is people in the room talking, but usually, I mean, because we're because we're we have an album to talk about. There's always music to kind of break up and and, and create pacing, and that's a thing that I'm always concerned about. And a lot of the shows, the 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 thirst aid kit shows, are all about an hour. And I think taken outside of a larger context, I haven't listened to the the show across the board. I thought that worked okay. I might be concerned week in week out if that seems maybe just 10 or 15 minutes too long but i think it, it kind of depends on on again uh, to, to morgan's point earlier the chemistry of the host go a long way to making the length of listenability palatable mm-hmm. palatable 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 uh to, to folks and and i think it's it's a it's a razor's edge to walk because you want to have enough time to be able to get into something with with some meatiness but you don't over also want to overstay your welcome and i thought that the right. episode i heard managed that balance pretty well but just looking across the shows uh, every, all of their different episodes None of them are shorter than an hour. So it's definitely, I think, on the slightly longer end for this kind of podcast. And to me, that's always a, a potential risk is, is just kind of wearing out the listener. I did notice, sorry, this is another tangent, but their most recent episode features Wilson Bethel. Morgan, do you know Wilson at all? No. He is a, he's a, an, an actor in Hollywood, but also a DJ. And he and I used to do a, a weekly at the shortstop at Echo Park for two oh, years. Man. And I, I haven't really? talked to him in a minute. So I was, I was happy to see his name. Like, yeah, Will's still out there. Will, if you're listening, <laughs> shout out, man. <laughs> good for you. Good for, for you. Sure. For sure. Yeah. This is this is a really this is a really good podcast. Yeah. I, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned actually, uh, Oliver, about the duration. Uh, I do find as well with podcasting, and I think it's a it's a great thing about podcasting, depending on which podcast you're listening to. But you do have the opportunity to have these hour and a half, two hour conversations where you reach a level of intimacy with a host and a group of people. Where I don't think I can't think of another medium, certainly for me, in which I have that level of intimacy, but also scrutiny around the people that I'm spending my 
my time with in a listening sense um right. other than through podcasting so you know when you have people like um it, I, i'm so disappointed this is the first example that's come into my head but joe rogan for example um where he's someone who does four-hour conversations and some people will listen week in week out and others other people will be utterly just sick of the man because after that duration of time i guess it's only going to go one way and i i, I know yeah. that i'm very selective of the people even if it's just in a remote sense that i'll let into my to my life and and almost strike up an intimacy with even if it's just from a distance and so it is interesting i think when you get to that duration it's definitely make or break for a lot of podcasts and i think that's where some people become week in week out followers and some people sure. get turned off you know I also think and there must be audience data research that's been done on this around how do people consume when and where do they consume their podcasts and as someone who lives in Southern California you know not to be cliche but I do spend a fair amount of time in the car and so um, I usually oftentimes listen to my podcasts in the car but my car rides even when I'm going to work are never more than an hour. And so I like right. to be able to listen. Or I want to have the confidence that I can complete an episode within the duration of that car ride rather than, especially if it's a conversational podcast, it's sort of, it's awkward to break in the middle of that and listen to one half, you know, at the beginning of the day and then the other uh, end of the day when I'm coming home, listen to the other half of it because then I have to remember what was in the first half. And so mm. I think Part of my bias around length is just that I don't really want to have to feel like I have to commit my life to more than 45 minutes at a time um, to any given podcast, even though certainly there are podcasts that run much longer uh, that I do enjoy. But I do think that's one of the challenges when you're making it is how long can we keep an audience without necessarily overstaying our welcome? And that's, it's a tricky, that's a tricky question to answer. Totally. I mean, this podcast is an hour and a half long and my commute is an hour and a half long. So I feel like they fit their duration around, you know, they approximated the journey down the M3 and the M27 from Bournemouth to <laughs> Hampshire. So that's good of them. Right. Should we go to our next recommendation? I think it's mine, isn't it? This one is Outside In. Uh, and it's a show created by a guy called Sam Evans-Brown, uh, and it's a production of New Hampshire Public Radio. And the tagline of the podcast is, a show about the natural world and how we use it, which I've always found very interesting from the first episode I listened to this, because the term use it, I think, is is very loaded, and uh, I think particularly when talking about the natural world. Come back to that in a bit. But basically the show is about um, the kind of human interactions that we have with nature and the natural world. Um, often these episodes are about uh, the way that our relationship with the natural world kind of corrupts or alters the shape of the natural world. And often as well, uh, the episodes then turn to someone who is trying to row back some of the damage or some of the change in the name of doing something better. So the episode that I picked was called Now I Am an axolotl, axolotl, they talk about the pronunciation in there, so I'm going to just screw it up for this entire bit. But um, <laughs> basically it's um, about this uh, Mexican salamander, which is uh, particularly prevalent or was just outside of Mexico City in these uh, floating gardens called chinampas. And um, they tell the story of how these uh, salamanders proliferated throughout the time that the Aztecs were present. And then when uh, colonialism happened, then the populations shrank right down. And the story picks up with a scientist and a researcher who's uh, trying to bring in some, uh, basically resurrect a lot of the old farming methods and to try and find ways to sort of push back against the change that has uh, been initiated in this area. And it's a podcast which 
what I really do like about it, I mean, it's a, it's one of these magazine-y kind of podcasts which I, I guess falls into the same bucket as uh, uh, 99% Invisible or perhaps yeah. um, a podcast we'll talk about in the future, Every Little Thing, where it's a, a, a podcast that has a lot of field recording. Um, what I do like is that there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, mountain bike tires on gravel or like lapping water or like people kind of breathing in a, a short breath way because they're on a hike outdoors or something like that. There's a lot of natural world embedded in the podcast and i think a lot of that uh, audio is very crisply recorded uh, and i think it suggests an immersion in its subject matter i have seen remarks and i have to say I, i'm not well versed enough to really uh, come into this with any kind of authority but this episode in particular is it, it could be seen as being quite um simplistic in its perception of the impact of uh, certain civilizations throughout history on uh, agriculture uh, and on particular species of animals. So uh, there's kind of this version of events in this podcast where it's like what the Aztecs did was good and then what the Spanish did was bad and uh, whether sort of reducing the complication down for the sake of a story is the right thing to do is is maybe a question to be asked but uh, like I mm. say it's just something I see mentioned and thought it was worth mentioning here. And um, obviously as well the fact that the tagline is you know the uh, way we use the natural world is definitely a like an anthropocentric podcast in terms of our relationship mm. with nature maybe there should be greater scope for perhaps uh, taking us to greater account in that respect but you know i i enjoy it and the episodes that i've listened to there's a there's a wicked one on uh, bengal cats uh, another good one on, on mushroom farming as well so there's some uh, podcast topics that keep me coming back but um yeah um oliver what did you think of this this podcast you know it's funny. This is the one podcast of, of the group, um, I mean, obviously, besides my own pick, that I actually had listened to at some earlier point, but it was a single episode. And I'm trying to remember now um, how I heard about the podcast to begin with. And it might have been through 99% Invisible or something similar to that. Right. And what I recall is I had downloaded it for to listen to with my family on a long car trip from Los Angeles to the Bay Area. And for, for folks who are not from California, that's generally about a five to six hour car ride. And what I remember is we were listening to, and we, these days we, we use podcasts to, to help eat up some of that time. And we started listening to this and I think around maybe 10 or 15 minutes in, um, I wasn't necessarily me. I'm not trying to throw the rest of my family under the bus here, but <laughs> I was not the one that hit the eject button on it. But I think someone, it might've been my, my 13 year old was like, like this, this is really boring. boring. <laughs> and just was, was not to her liking. She's very particular about podcasts. That's a whole other topic. And so I actually never got to finish it. I will say from what I remember of that, and I don't even remember what the episode was. I can maybe go back through and, and scroll and, and see if I can remember the title, but regardless, even though I, I agree that it is, it's well-produced, uh, I appreciate a well-produced podcast, but it didn't necessarily reel me in. That, that initial episode didn't, uh, didn't necessarily reel me in from Jump in terms of how it kind of sets up its story and all those things. I probably should have given it a, another chance. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that this gave me the occasion to go back through it because I realized 
there's actually a lot of a lot to what they do um, that is done, I think, quite well. And to, and to go back to the previous point I was making with the last uh, podcast pick, you know, most of these episodes usually come in bet- somewhere between 30 to 45 minutes. And right. so I think they have, a, especially because it is produced, it's not just a conversation. They have to think about story structure and think about arc and how to fit these things in. Um, you know, I, the, the, one of the things I also like about the show is that they have these Ask Sam phone-in segments. Yeah. Where listeners get to throw questions about the natural world at the host and and his guests, um, and you know, Morgan and I actually recently taped a mailback episode that will probably maybe be a donor episode for for folks to listen to, but. You don't want to overdo that kind of thing, but I do like the occasional, like, yeah, call us, call in or write in with your questions because it, it creates a, a kind of engagement with the listener that you wouldn't necessarily get with a show that is always produced in terms of as being, a, as I think one of you said, a magazine style podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you may not always get the kind of creator listener interplay. And I think that Outside End does a very good job of occasionally including these Ask Sam either mini uh, standalone episodes or one half of the show is devoted to taking their calls. And uh, I appreciate sort of the, uh, I appreciate the attempt there to have much more listener engagement. Right, for sure. Yeah, you're right. I mean, especially with these hyper-produced podcasts, they're reading from a script. Uh, They've got these very clipped and curated segments of audio, which are generally fixated on something other than themselves, other than like a tiny bit of anecdotal detail perhaps to flesh it out so uh yeah that is something quite novel actually that uh, i was debating whether to throw one of those episodes in to, to showcase that but um uh, morgan what did you think of this one i loved it hey um, and I, I loved 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 this podcast and i loved this uh i love this episode it sort of reminded me going in of those fleeting moments that i spent reading reader's digest until i felt like it, i was too cool to read it but i wasn't too cool to read it <laughs> and i think i was just um you know dealing with some my own feeling about not being that great in science but this made up for all that i was like you know what i didn't have to be great in science because this podcast came along and changed the game for me. <laughs> One of the things that I liked the most was that for me, um, the Ashalato Ash- Ashalato was was yeah. to me sort of a hero, and I <laughs> thought, what's cooler than a Mexican salamander that has that is eternally young and has regenerative power? <laughs> so I was drawn into the podcast because he felt like a hero, and I think you bring to a podcast, um, you know, your own biases and whatever you're projecting and for me this felt like this was a larger story about colonization Mm. and more personally a story about gentrification Mm. i just spent some time in brooklyn and uh, my friend was giving me sort of a tour of what brooklyn used to be and at some point i said to her you know how's brooklyn the house where we're standing now different than it was 15 years ago and she said we're the only black people standing on this corner And it struck me thinking about this, about, you know, the conversations about the Spanish and the Aztecs. And at some point, um, one of the guys is he reveals that he only there's like there were there were two or three. They saw two or three Mm. ocelotos. 
but they only found one. Mm-hmm. And sort of um, the social and political context around extinction, not just what happens to, to salamanders, but what happens to people right. uh, when, when, co- when colonization occurs and when you are just dealing with the remnants of that. So it was, it was a fascinating case study for, for me for that. I was completely engaged. Um, I, I'm not familiar with this type of podcast. I, I tend to go towards music podcasts and pop culture. So this for me was, was a revelation. And also, you know, in the, in the spirit of, of full disclosure here, I had a lot of feelings about Columbusing, as we call it, or colonization and what happens to a people, a species, a community um, when when the natives become become extinct. And I thought this was re- really, really fascinating, all the details um, that this that this salamander was, you know, was given divine qualities and kingly qualities. It, it was it was amazing. So thank you for picking this one. I was I'm a fan and I'll be listening to many, many more of these episodes. Oh, you're welcome. I mean, in fact, yeah, that's something that definitely needed to be brought to light. Like it starts from the perspective of this short story about the Ashalotl and all of that kind of near mythical stuff about it before it then yeah goes into this moment where suddenly the salamander is swept into a narrative where it has kind of no control (laughs) even though it can regenerate anything it can't regenerate its kind of population as a whole so that's awesome i mean freddie what did you think of this podcast so yeah I i had two kind of conflicting feelings about it i think i think part of me um and this is a running theme on episode party about my short attention span is that i think i had a bit of a reaction that's not too dissimilar from uh, oliver's kid who uh, about 15 minutes in went oh this is kind of boring um but it, it wasn't boring i was just i was just uh, coming off the back of the um the the first aid kit high that i had and i was I went i went back to back listening so it was a real change in pace it was a real change in subject matter but i don't think it's fair to compare them in any sense because this was a very very interesting podcast in its own right i think you know you you've jack made some made some references to to, to how it sounds almost like a a 99 visible for the the outside world and the natural the natural environment and i, I think that's a, a fairly fair comparison um i think it's it's really wonderfully put together you know as as, as oliver said they've done a really nice job of, of creating a narrative that spans the kind of time frame that they're working within and yeah in terms of the subject matter you know i'm, I'm repeating a lot of what's been said but you know it it did feel to me like this story, this narrative around the Ashalotl was kind of like a microcosm for how a lot of the natural world is, has been treated by um, different different populations over, over the years and, and, and how we're kind of coming to terms with that and desperately trying to undo some of the damage we've done. And, uh, and we've suddenly realized that the, the way some things were was, was the way they should still be. Uh, and, and the kind of the kind of fight we've got or the the challenge we've got in trying to trying to do that i mean obviously not everyone's on board with that but it it feels like that's that's the kind of arc we're on and this story felt very much like a a miniaturized version of that wider story um i found it really really interesting in that sense definitely but yeah i enjoyed it i'm i I feel like yeah i really want to listen to a couple of the other episodes i mentioned i know you mentioned bengal cats there jack and i'm surprised you didn't pick that one Um, (laughs) it was close jack is is a cat fan uh, and uh, and so yeah and and there's a few others as well that sound super interesting um definitely my kind of podcast um providing i'm i'm, a, I'm awake and aware and feel like i 
I've got a good attention span. Um, <laughs> well, but, yeah. uh, I mean, those are all good things for most podcasts anyway, but especially for anything <laughs> of a particular length. So, yeah, thanks. It's, it was a, it was a real nice recommendation and I'm excited to check out a few more episodes. Oh, hey, Freddie, you're welcome. We have got one more recommendation today. Oliver, it's yours. Would you tell us about your podcast recommendation, please? Yeah, it's called Criminal. They have just recently passed their 100, uh, num- their 100th episode. It's hosted by Phoebe Judge. Uh, it's part of the Radiotopia Network. They also actually have an offshoot that I had I had contemplated picking instead, which is called This Is Love. Mm. Uh, Criminal's uh, website is This Is Criminal. So I, I, I think Phoebe Judge just likes making podcasts that are called This Is and then fill in the noun <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> But, um, I mean, I love Criminal in a lot of different ways. And w- the, you know, when I was asked to, to pick something for this th- our show here, I knew it was going to be one of her shows, number one. And I knew um, it was just deciding which one. And then it was kind of the Sophie's choice of, well, which episode within this show do I want to pick? And just to back up a second. So, for number one, Phoebe Judge, who uh, produces her shows out of North Carolina, has just one of the best radio voices out yes. there and i could just listen to her read the phone book she could read cookbooks like if i could reprogram siri to sound like phoebe judge i would do it <laughs> sure. actually that, that sounds a little bit creepy sure. i don't know thirst aid, um, thirst yes. aid kit yes i thirst for her voice um and criminal is in a very loose sense is about uh, it's a true crime podcast, but I don't think in the way that a lot of people tend to think of what true true, true crime podcasts are like, which is more like serial. Um, these are not serialized shows. Each episode tends to be standalone, even though the episode that I chose, their 100th show, is actually a part one of two. But they approach the notion of crime and criminality through a very loose lens. And so one episode might be about the witness, the history of the witness protection program in the United States, for example. Mm. I think one of their really famous early episodes is about what's known as a body farm, which is where people who donate their bodies to um, scientific use after death, bodies are left out in this open field so that people can see what the process of decomposition is like and use that for criminal research in terms of uh, law enforcement research because they can determine uh, when someone died based on like the state of decomposition. I mean, a totally disgusting but completely fascinating episode. But I chose this one. It's, again, their 100th episode. It's called 10,000 Feet in the Air. And I have to assume that they kept this one specifically to celebrate their milestone of hitting 100 eps because this was just one of the most unbelievable and entertaining episodes that they've ever put out. And I don't want to spoil too much, but it's about this this criminal in the Mideast, uh, Middle East, not, yeah, sorry, in the Midwest, I should say, middle in the Midwest here in the United States, who was inspired by the legendary tale of D.B. Cooper. And for listeners who are not familiar with it, D.B. Cooper hijacked an airplane. I think this was probably the 1970s. Okay, sorry, early 70s. Um, he hijacked an airplane, robbed uh, it of its money, and then jumped out of that airplane with his own parachute and then was never seen again. He's like one of the most famous unsolved cold cases in the history of America. American crime. And this guy watching, hearing about the story of D.B. Cooper at home decides, well, if D.B. Cooper could pull this off, how hard would it be for me to hijack an airplane and do the exact same thing? And again, without spoiling things, let's just say that things don't quite turn out the same way for him. (laughs) 
Um, and it's just, it's phenomenal because th- this person is still alive. So Phoebe interviews him, interviews a couple of secondaries, and you're just, you're, you're, you just can't believe sort of both the kind of sheer stupidity of the person, yet kind of the brilliant naivete <laughs> that led him to think that this would not be difficult to pull off. I mean, some of the other things about that, that come into this story is an attempt to prevent the hijacked airplane from taking off by, I think, uh, you know, ramming a Cadillac into it. Um, and then what's even crazier is that, so this is episode 100 and then episode 101 is called The Fox and it's, the, it's a part two episode because the guy from part one ends up going to jail and instead of the story ending, there's there's a whole second act involving another criminal that he meets in jail and even more incredible hijinks. I shouldn't say, I mean, I don't want to make it sound too comical because there's, there's some tragedy involved in it as well, sure. but mm-hmm. it is, it's just, it's outstanding. And I love almost every episode of criminal that I listen to, but you know, there were multiple points through this uh, 10,000 feet in the air where I just kept thinking, I can't believe this is not scripted. Like right. this is just too <laughs> unbelievable. Um, and again, Phoebe, is just such a great narrator and host uh and yeah i, I just love everything about this show <laughs> and uh morgan what do you think of this podcast loved it yeah i was drawn in at the very beginning i want to piggyback back, back on something that oliver said which is about um her voice um we we have a joke about the npr voice and like we sort of always roll roll our eyes like oh lord here comes the npr voice <laughs> um <laughs> Um, until Phoebe and I was like, you know what? I don't. I actually don't mind that voice. That voice is kind of cool and critical for this type of story, which I think is sort of a morality play about something my mother used to say whenever I would get in trouble. She'd say, "Are you gonna try and do everything your little friends do?" And this is about Martin <laughs> McNally trying to do everything his little that DV Cooper did and just failed horribly, right? Mm. But because of her voice, she comes across as a very sort of um, objective listener. That right. that there's never a moment where she where I want her to say, "What the hell were you?" you think and you know this was stupid but she never does say <laughs> right, that right. so that her 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 gaze and her lens is very open it's almost like just letting him tell the story and and his own he comes across martin mcnally comes across as someone that did not think this through very well um, and that becomes clear not just clear in his presentation but how she asks him questions and how she receives the information hmm. it is it is perfect morgan to your point what phoebe is able able to emote and communicate is she's a very sympathetic listener. Yes, indeed. And it's a quality where I think people who've listened to Fresh Air and Terry Gross for a long time, I think Terry has that ability, but Phoebe takes it to some other next level. And I think part of what I just like about listening to her so much is that she just feels like someone that you can trust and that has your back in a certain way. As as the narrator, you know, she's very kind in her, in her persona. Again, maybe in real life, she's just like a raging maniac. I have no idea. <laughs> Yeah, but her her podcast persona is just this person that you just want to follow them because you 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 trust to put yourself and your ears in her hands, if you will. And she it, exactly, and she walks him through that narrative in a way that's not judgmental. No. To be able to right. appreciate that, try and picture yourself being told the same story about a guy who made a consistent 
amount of mistakes <laughs> that are as crazy as thinking you're going to get away with this, of jumping out of a plane and you've never used a parachute, to walking through an airport with an, an army's worth of a cachet of guns, to deciding that a you know $2,000 spending money when you're asking for 500000 <laughs> makes sense, whether you're like me that's not good in math or you are good in math, that, and to walk someone through that story, just imagine yourself being told the same story, and at some point in there you have to say, what were you thinking, you know, expletives inserted and stuff like that. But the, the fact that she's able to carry that with him to get him to a point of just repeating the story um, and the way that he presented this to me was the, the, the best part of this story was Phoebe. Mm-hmm. On, on a tangent too, this episode is a really strong reminder of how in a lot of ways, loose plane travel was pre 9-11. Right. right. And that increasingly there are fewer and fewer people who are going to remember what it used to be like to go through an airport to fly in, in days in which security was much more lax. Because the idea that this guy could try to pull this off today would be, Ridiculous. well, I mean, TSA is a bit security theater, but it would seem less likely significantly. But, you know, hijackings, people forget this in the 70s. There were like there was like a hijacking every day. It felt like I mean, it was ridiculous how common it was 180 or something she said and then also that that hijacking then was just like people trying to get to cuba right and how it was such a big thing that the airports wanted to set up this fake <laughs> cuban yeah. airport in miami right so, so that people <laughs> people would land there and think they're in cuba yeah and so having that historical context was was important for me because i remember you know before all this security that time right. of flying right and i just cannot imagine someone being able able to and the way he was repeating the guns that he had was for me i i thought what what is phoebe's face looking like because i'm in my apartment (laughs) clutching my pearls being like wow but it was also um really interesting that in all the things we think about terrorists and what terrorists look like that here's a, a here's a guy from the midwest who seems like a bit of a schmuck that walked on with you know a huge arsenal of weapons the most unlikely and i'm using scare quotes unlikely suspect but was ready to risk it all um, for a plan that failed uh, failed horribly. I think what's great is we're able to have these discussions about what we ex- extrapolate from the podcast because Criminal just gives you the sort of blueprints. I mean, it's absolutely transfixing and it's beautifully made. But I think yes. the comments that you have both made about Phoebe's delivery uh, and also I think the, the lack of sort of theatrical embellishment. I mean, it doesn't need any more. You don't need no. like a Radio Lab style, like whooshing gunshots and, you know, the <laughs> whoosh of air around the parachute or stuff like that. Like you create that any way um but i i I think i mean the the tone of the podcast i think is spot on for something that's trying to i imagine catch a balance between just telling the story of these people who are just um curiosities but also without maybe uh depending on who the person is i don't know how you do it in this case but glorifying what they're doing trivializing what they're doing or or you know taking any of the the tragedy or you know some of the upset away as well and it sort of mm-hmm. straddles mm-hmm. this straight line between all of those and allows you as the listener to kind of ping pong between those states simply from the material that you're being told in this um very deftly sort of matter of fact way i mean right i have to say i thought it was sly to say 
this is a your episode pick oliver because there's no way i was getting to the end of this episode and then going that's enough for me and not listening to yeah. 101 <laughs> i mean right. and also as well i really thought it was potentially going to be one of those ones where it's stretched over two halves but perhaps could have been just an, a maybe a, a slightly longer single episode but the second i mean ramps up arguably even more i mean i yes. was just I, I was on my own uh, in my living room as i was listening to this uh, with my headphones in just to, i think i'd come back from a run but just going no way no way to, to no one <laughs> as you know the various things unfolded <laughs> right uh, particularly in the closing like 10 minutes or so i'd be very surprised if there's not some interest out there to adapt this into you know maybe a mini series or a movie. Oh sure. Um, you know we just saw Patricia Arquette won the Golden Globe for I forget the name of the film, but it's basically about a prison, a real life prison breakout involving these two inmates who seduce one of the the prison staff and, and leads leads to a breakout. And both episodes, Ten Thousand Feet in the Air and The Fox, would really lend itself to maybe like a six or eight episode mini series mm. because it's so outstanding. The characters seem so colorful. It, it, it seems like a no-brainer. So if this gets optioned, I would not. I would not be surprised in the least. Yeah, particularly the conclusion. It just seems it's just too full of like meaning and significance. It, yeah, it's it's almost too perfect. Um, I mean, I I too as well. I think the fact that it was taking place against this backdrop, as you've both said, of uh, utterly lax security. I mean, I was born in 1990, so by the time I started going on planes. Um, everything was very much on lockdown you know you you had to pass yeah. through a metal detector and all of this so i mean it just seemed bizarre I, one of the most striking moments of the podcast was where they made reference to the fact you could buy a ticket on the flight i mean that blows my mind <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah just a just a great show really i mean freddie what did you make of this one yeah criminal is a, a show that I, I previously really got into and then mm. uh, for some reason forgot about and, and then it kind of got wrapped up among all of the kind of other true crime podcasts that seem to have come out over the last few years and seem to be kind of uh, trendy right now, I guess. And I, I kind of didn't give it enough credit to think that it was anything different to any of those podcasts, but it really, really is. And again, I'm, I'm repeating a lot of things that we've already said, but Phoebe Judge's voice is, is incredible. And, you know, I didn't I didn't think about the, her interviewing style too much and, and how she conducts these interviews but, until now, but it's almost like tuning into a therapy session in the way that she kind of <laughs> is so non-judgmental and, and has their has a subject at such ease and lets them kind of speak in a way that you know th- their own motives or lack of really come across the, the you know the, the episode itself is is as as has been mentioned many times an absolutely incredible story and uh, i i I'm, I'm in the middle of a lot of listening for for this show right now but i have got the uh, the second part to this queued up um, and I, I'm, I'm excited for that i had to leave it on a cliffhanger because i had other listening to do but <laughs> I, I am going to get back at it and and yeah it's it's brilliant and uh, I'm kind of glad that it came up because I, I like I say, I, I kind of f- put criminal on the back burner and forgot how, how good it was. And, uh, it is fantastic, so uh, it's it's great to have it back. If I can just go on, on one of my many tangents, I also I think <laughs> that especially we're going to be revisiting this topic a lot over the years is around the sound of 
podcaster voices mm. because I think unlike radio, which doesn't really demand continued listening, you can kind of switch, pop in for a song, a, a set, and then pop out. Mm. You know, podcasts really require a certain kind of commitment of, as we've been talking about, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, two hours, right? And you have to, on some level, you have to at least at minimum tolerate what somebody's voice sounds like. Yeah, Ideally, really. enjoy listening to them, you know, talk in this very intimate um, setting uh, in your ear holes for, for that amount of time. <laughs> and there are certainly podcasts, I'm not going to name them because I don't want to be, I, I'm, I'm not seeking to be unkind here, but there's some people's voices that I, I just can't roll with it. Like hmm. I, they, they, right. I find it grating and it's not because they don't put together very smart shows. It's not because their content is flawed. It's because I just don't want to listen to their voice for X amount of time. And I think that's something that a lot of listeners probably confront on some level. Yeah. I came into the podcast game on the strength of two different podcasts. One was S-Town mm-hmm. and the other one was a short series called, I think it was called The Mogul or Mogul on Gimlet. Yes. About, yeah. about, oh, about, about Chris, Chris Lighty. Chris Lighty. Yeah. And it was interesting to hear the difference, not just the difference, obviously the, the difference in themes. One is a, you know, about a crime and or sort of, and the other one, you know, is about the death of Chris Lighty. And so I'm bringing this up because it is a lot to make a commitment to someone whose whose voice you don't prefer. I think different voices lend themselves to, to different podcasts. I think in music podcasts, you don't have to sound a certain way necessarily. In the Chris Lighty podcast, here was someone that was, you know, close to the industry, so I respected his voice because he sounded like of the time, of the theme, etc. On S Town, there there was to me a striking dis a striking difference between how that first episode was presented, that narrator, as opposed to Phoebe, because he, this guy was very emotionally involved. Mm-hmm. He ended up getting very connected to a subject. And then when he gets the news, and I want to spoil that, when he gets some sort of bad news, yeah. you know, he's very emotional you know, dur- during the episode. And so it was just an interesting comparison that I made about how to present you know, the same sort of thing, a crime or, or, or something, with being sort of emotionally present, but it, th- that doesn't come across in your voice you're not super attached to this that you're able to ask questions and receive information in a way that phoebe did and i thought that's what made this podcast and this episode in particular really beautiful um, because this is a, a sort of a, a comedy of errors and yet there's no judgment in her voice and mm-hmm. i just loved i could listen to like what oliver said i could listen to many many more episodes you know featuring her she was a fantastic totally yeah I think I'm the only one who hasn't also mentioned the fact that I absolutely love Phoebe's voice, so I should definitely put my hat in the ring there. Uh, just <laughs> gorgeous, like leaves me yeah. in a totally zen out state. You know, you can be contrarian. It's okay. We're not here to judge. <laughs> um, no, it feels like killing a swan or something. Saying that Phoebe judges voice isn't nice. Um, so we're reaching a, a, a duration which I think is uh, breaching the limits of Oliver's commute time. Which I don't know what that suggests, but uh, I wanted to get in a few questions about your podcast. I mean, over the past week, yeah. I've been diving in. It's just basically you're talking talking about one of my favorite things to talk about and you're talking about it in a way which gets me incredibly fired up in the best way so uh, you host a show called heat rocks if people aren't familiar with heat rocks could you just give them a little introduction to what it is 
We uh, interview writers, artists, and scholars about seminal or canonical albums or albums that otherwise profoundly influence them. And we ask them a series um, of questions about that album that gets into their own own relationship to the album, how they discovered the album, Mm -hmm. and about certain tracks. And uh, then we get a little bit into what else was going on around the time of that particular genre when the album was released. And so that's what we've been doing. We started uh, in October of uh, 2007. 17 and so we're just passing um, a year and so far it's been good and one of the the most fun things about it is that we um, this is a real situation where you cannot judge a book by its cover we have not been right yet about what we think someone's going to bring on to talk about and so it's been a real learning experience about you know we we had a a classical uh, pianist and composer named chris bowers did the score for a film called green book and he is a thelonious monk devotee and so i said he's absolutely going to come in and talk about thelonious monk period i know i'm going to bet the farm on it and he did not he wanted to talk about kendrick lamar section 80 oh wow so we've had it yeah so we've had a experiences like that uh for for a year but that that to me is uh you know the bonus of the show alongside being able to host with oliver the surprises i mean i'm surprised every episode i would just add that i think there's a a little bit to the our show that is about music criticism in terms of the ways in which you think about as morgan was saying about historical context and import but a lot of it is it's it's really a show about musical dis- discovery and appreciation mm-hmm. how do we how do we come across the music and the albums that are formative to us for mm-hmm. whatever reason that that may be and it, it can vary people encounter you know some some people will talk about the albums that the first album they bought when they were 13 years old but others will talk about maybe the most recent album that has blew their mind. And so there, it's very hard, as Morgan was saying, it's very hard to predict what people will bring into. But what, we're, what we seek to elicit from our guests is just what is it about this particular album that is memorable to you? What makes it important to you? What makes it a heat rock? And I, what I love about the show is that you almost never get the same answer twice. People have, and this is, I think, true for all of us in terms of the relationship to those things in pop culture that we love. It's intensely personal, but it's oftentimes grounded in a larger set of things that are happening in our, in our personal lives and our social lives or what's happening, you know, in society or the country or the world as a whole. And so any given album becomes this gateway into all of these different potential conversations. Right. And I think also as well, it feels to me like a timely time to be talking about the album and celebrating the album, which I feel like is is what you're doing. I mean, I'm drawn to think of something that happened to me at work recently where I was talking to someone uh, opposite me on the desk opposite. And uh, uh, I think I mentioned the band R.E.M. And he said, oh, they were around back when bands used to release albums. And I was like, people still release albums, my friend. But I I, I think obviously there's a perception now because of listening habits that the album is perhaps less of an integral unit. Um, The -hmm. fact that the tracks can be chopped up and thrown into playlists. You know, the album is almost like the cling film that the, you know, that something comes in. It's it's kind of like a a sort of almost arbitrary wrapper for a lot of people. So do you think it's important that, you know, to to sort of re-imbue the album with that significance of, of being like a singular object? Well, I mean, I'm sure Morgan has her own thoughts on this. I, I would just say that for me, I do. I don't think that the album has to be the end-all, be-all format through which one can talk about music. Right. I mean, we could have made a show that's about a song. 
I just feel like it would have been about a quarter of the length, maybe. Sure. And I think what makes albums interesting for the purposes of a show of our sort is that it grounds you in a time and place. So if it was, talk about one of your favorite or your most seminal artists. Well, if you pick someone like a Prince or a Madonna, I mean, that's something that transcends multiple decades versus if I ask you to talk about, let's say, Michael Jackson's Off the Wall. Well, now we're grounded in sort of 1979. We're grounded in the end of disco and the flip over into sort of the era of 80s pop and and early hip hop. Mm. And I think it enriches uh, the conversation by creating a parameter. And the album, one could argue, is just an arbitrary format um, when, you know, people don't necessarily consume music you know, via that format anymore, but nonetheless, the relate the release of an album will always ground you in a particular time and place, and I think that's kind of integral to our conception of like why we like to do the show is to have the ability to kind of dig into those particular temporal moments and historical moments. Mm. I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I think when we talk about albums and we get into something like Off the Wall, it takes us back to a time that we could don't we not only examine what Michael Jackson was doing then, but who Quincy was then which yeah, leads us right. down to a, a, another tangent that makes the episode more meaty and also i think i think the benefit of talking about albums is it's it's sort of my way of saying without saying um that music was better when people were listening to whole albums <laughs> but i don't have to say it i just let the uh, podcast speak for itself um because the fact that people are drawn to albums from the past and we we have asked on a number of episodes did you listen to a cover to cover mm. and without question they all say I listen to it cover to cover and they're able to recall certain songs and certain moments based on the fact that at that time when those albums came out most of the albums that we're talking about are pre-Spotify they are uh, pre-Pandora they're pre-Title and Mm. so they didn't you just didn't you bought it so you didn't skip across tracks if you bought it at a time where you only got it on cassette that was just that was just an effort that you didn't want to go through um, to try and skip ahead and so I think it's important to talk about albums because they draw a lot of memories that one song alone I don't think necessarily would do right mm. one of the question I had for you I mean what becomes so clear when I listen to this this podcast is that you both do a, a hell of a lot of listening yourselves and you dig into the records before you speak to the guests which I mean I think just makes the whole thing really electric because it's three people now enthusing about music instead of one kind of pitching why an album is important to them you know but if you really want to listen to a record, like really want to listen and, and get deep into an album, do you have a stereo setup or a pair of headphones or a place that you go or somewhere you go to just really soak up a particular record? I have to, I, I have headphones in, uh, you know, you'll never catch me without headphones or shades or stilettos. I just always <laughs> have them in. Even though I have t- a pair of turntables in my living room, I just prefer to have the music super close to me and that's in my ears all the time. That's my favorite, favorite way. Um, there's just something about that sound quality that I just have to have it so close to me um, that it's it's different than when I'm standing behind those turntables. So that's my favorite way to consume music is just to have it um, Available and I ha- and I have the headphones on. I don't even think you're supposed to have that stuff in the car. I think you're you're not supposed to listen to music in your in your headphones in the car. But I just do it anyway. That's just my favorite way. <laughs> I have uh, two two main methods. One is either I'm in the car, um, as I mentioned before, uh, during one of my commutes to work, and you know that 45 minutes to an hour is perfect for listening to an album in, in that space. The other time, though, is 
It's actually after I've gone to bed, but before I've fallen asleep is sometimes, especially if I'm prepping for um, that week's episode is I'll put the album on and it's not that I fall asleep to it. It's just that that point is when you, you know, my wife usually and my daughter both go to sleep before I do. So it's the last part of the day that I have just to myself Mm. and it's very calm. It's very quiet. And I can basically put in my headphones. Um, I may or may not decide to enhance the listening experience with certain kinds of uh, goods that are now recreationally <laughs> legal in the state of California. Um, but as, as a way, way to... of just kind of settling into the album, not as a, not from an intellectual point of view, but really from a sensory experience, if that makes sense. I mean, I, I always do the homework on figuring out questions to ask about the album based on when it to come out, what was the artist like who produced it. I mean, all of the kind of discographical information, that's something that I can do whenever. Mm. But just to listen to the album as a sonic auditory experience, there's something about listening to it at the end of the night where it's the only thing that I'm, I'm focused on um, that I think allows me to develop, a, I guess, a sort of emotional relationship to what we're talking about. Even if it's an album that I don't necessarily particularly personally love, what I'm just trying to hear is what are other people hearing when they're listening to this because then that's something that I can use to bring in and create a question for our guests uh, using that experience. Well, if people don't want to listen to Heat Rocks now, they're, they're stupid. Um, I will obviously direct <laughs> people to Heat Rocks in the show notes. So that, that should be our new, new tagline. <laughs> if you're not listening to Heat Rocks, you're, you're stupid. stupid. <laughs> I mean, I've had a great time this week. I particularly enjoyed your episode with Serpent with Feet um, about Björk. That one was a real zinger for me. Uh, um, I mean, if people mm-hmm, want mm-hmm. to check out the podcast, where's the best place for them to go online to do so? Um, you can go to uh, heatrockspod.com uh, and uh, you can listen there. Or you can listen on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. Yeah, luckily, I don't think we have any competing Heat Rocks podcasts no. out there. <laughs> so, so far, much like Thirst Aid Kit, Kit like yeah. we picked a name that doesn't have a ton of people competing for that same That's name. Right. At least not yet. Yeah. Maybe there's going to be some like 14 year old now who goes out and creates a Heat Rocks podcast <laughs> just, to, just to mess with us. <laughs> but it's yours for now. And that's it. Freddie, if people want to check out the one and only episode party, I hope that's right. I hope it's still the one and only episode party. <laughs> we are at www.episode.party on the internet. We're at episode underscore party on Twitter or where hello at episode dot party if you'd like to email us a recommendation. I think that about covers it, Jack. It does. Other than to say thank you so much to uh, to yourselves, Morgan and Oliver. It's been so great to have you on uh, tonight talking about some podcasts. Thank you so much for having us. It was a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm Jack. I'm Freddie. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs> Hey everyone, Freddie here. If you're enjoying Episode Party, please head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. It means a lot to us and it really helps us out. Thanks. Thanks.